As we get started this morning, I want us to back up for just, uh, just a brief moment and remember where we are in this series that I'm calling Complete. We're studying the book of Colossians, and uh, Paul is so clear in this book that Jesus is our complete picture of God. Everything that is God is present in Jesus. And so Paul is making that point in various ways throughout the book. And then he makes the point that we are then made complete in Christ. We are made into the people that God would have us to be, the people that we were created to be. And so I want us to think about, okay, if that's the case, if Paul has shown us that Jesus is Lord over all, in fact, Lord over everything throughout the whole of creation... What does that mean for me? What is, that, what is the complete picture of me and for us as a church? If Jesus is Lord of all, what does that look like for us today? What does that say about how we live our lives and organize everything that we have, all of our resources? I want to think about that. Now, we're going to come back to that. You know, a lot of this does have to do with thinking of organization. And for me, man, organization is really important. I like lots of areas to be organized. I even like my space to be organized. In my office, if something is out of place, I've got something extra in my office, it unsettles me. I know, that makes me sound like a fun person to live with, doesn't it? <laughs> I get that, and I'm probably not fun. Anyway. You know, like when, when you're painting at home, I love the like new look of a painted room. I don't even mind painting. I don't mind doing that. What I don't like is everything's out of place, right? You got to pull all the furniture to the middle of the room. And like when you're in the middle of that process, there's nowhere to sit down. And if you don't finish in one day, like what do you do? Where do you sit down? Where do you read a book? You know, I just can't sit down and read a book in a room that's torn apart. Now, you probably live with someone or are someone that a little disorganization doesn't bother you at all, right? I mean, it doesn't matter what the stuff is around you. That's no big deal. But for me, and I can't handle that. We think about organization and, and our lives being organized, and we all organize our life in some way. Maybe there's a lack of organization or we're super organized. But think with me, if you will. If you will. I want you to sort of, in your mind, visualize your life. All the stuff that makes up your life. Now, every person in this room would have a different picture because our lives, our experiences, the relationships we have are all different. But I want to give you a few sort of samples of what might be going on in some of our heads. This first one, this is when life is sort of random. There we go. There's all these things in life, and they're just out there. You know, our money, our travel, kids, grandkids, marriage, dating, wherever you are in life, different things. And they're just out there, you know, in your life. And maybe they're even bouncing around against one another, and you sort of... Enjoy that randomness. Every day is an adventure for you because it's just going to, let's see what happens, you know. Let's see where some of this stuff shows up and you are very comfortable with that, okay. And then some of you are more like the second one that we have and you've, you've got a plan, right. You've got a plan for how this is going to work. From beginning to end, you're goal-oriented and you've got things set in motion and you're going to manage those things and all the things in your life have their place and you've got it figured out and you want to accomplish something. And the only way to accomplish something in your mind is to have a path to follow and get everything organized. Okay? Maybe you're like this third one. 
I mean, you don't have any big goals. You're sort of coasting and you're thinking, man, if I can just avoid some big problems in my life, if I can just keep things sort of where they are, it would be okay with you. You don't have huge goals, but you'd like to avoid some things that could be really bad. So you're just coasting along trying to keep things about like they are and things are not necessarily super organized, but you're just trying to keep things between the lines, okay? Here's the thing. We are followers of Jesus Christ. And in the book of Colossians, if we want to understand what our lives are made complete in, it's always in Jesus. And I'd like to offer that what Paul is saying to us is, if we want a life that is made complete in Jesus, this person who was a complete picture of God, lived among us, died among us, was buried and raised to new life, if we want to follow that Jesus, the Jesus that we see at work in the book of Colossians and throughout the New Testament, our lives might need to look a little more like this fourth picture. With Jesus at the center and everything organized around him. And our lesson today really is very simple. Put Jesus at the center. Put him in the middle so that all of life is organized. Now, it doesn't have to be a perfect little circle for you random people, okay? You can have things going at different lengths and yeah, all that's fine. But the point is, we need to understand our lives in terms of, okay, Jesus is Lord. All right? Jesus is Lord. Lord over all. And if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, the only way this is going to work is that Jesus, if Jesus is at the very heart of my life and how I understand my marriage and my money and my work and my kids and grandkids, grandparents and parents, or maybe you're in the middle of dating or you're in the middle of school, the only way I'm going to understand that and do it right is if Jesus is in the middle. Because our relationship with Jesus speaks to all those other things and helps us understand how they should work together. So the lesson is put Jesus at the center, but how do we do that practically? Paul speaks to that in one of my favorite passages in Colossians. And as Jerry's already read one verse, we're going to look at just three verses this morning. There are three instructions that we find in Colossians 3, 15 to 17. Three instructions, one each in each of the verses we'll get to in just a second. And what Paul is saying to us is that here's the theological truth, and, and this is where all of it comes together in my mind in Colossians. The theological truth that we've been sort of working through, that Jesus is Lord. Okay, you could look back to chapter 1, 15 through 20. Section at the beginning of chapter 2 as well, puts are painting the picture of who Jesus is. And then the practical side, okay, if that's true, how do we live it out? And I think all that is present in these verses, okay? And this is one of my favorite passages in the New Testament to, to speak from. I've done it several times, and I just love the way that Paul puts all this together. So, Colossians 3, 15, Paul says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. There's a lot of important words just right in the beginning of this passage. First of all, Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule. Now that word peace was important in both, it's interesting, both the Gentile world 
and the Jewish world. So whether you're a Gentile or Jew, and Paul sort of walked between both worlds, this word really matters. Why does it matter in the Gentile world? Because the Roman Empire is in charge, right? And they all talked about the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. Well, why do they mean by that? I mean, this seems like a brutal time. Well, it was, but the Romans were so powerful that they basically take over the whole Mediterranean and because of that, everyone is afraid to challenge them. And so the people in the Roman Empire lived in a time of relative peace compared to most of human history up to that point, And in fact, a good bit of human history afterward. But it's a peace that is imposed by powerful forces from above. In other words, you don't even think about countering us. You don't even think about questioning us. And when that's the case, there's peace because everybody is just afraid. And here Paul contrasts that, and Romans would have heard this immediately, with not the Pax Romana, but the Pax, if you will, Christiana, the peace of Christ, a very different kind of peace. Jesus doesn't force himself on us. We choose him. And the picture that Paul paints here is the, the peace of Christ that works through us as individuals since we are members of one body. So us as a group, because we are a body, we are called to be at peace with one another. And the peace of Christ is at work in us as a body of believers. And so the body is at peace because we care about one another, because we are one. It's a different kind of thing than everybody better get in their place and obey. So, wow, then it's calm to the Spirit of God at work in His people, creating peace in us and through us and into our relationships. Now, Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule. Now, the word there is actually an athletic word. It's not so much rule as in government. It could be translated, let the peace of Christ referee between you. Let the peace of Christ umpire you. Let it call what is right and wrong. And whenever I hear this verse, the thing that comes to my mind, and I think I mentioned that in here before, is when I was a kid watching NBC's Game of the Week and sometime during the game, this would come on. Let's watch this video. IBM presents You Make the Call. A manager is forced to play two pitchers at the same time. He plans to use one of the outfield on the other pitches, rotating the two when the situation calls for it. Can he do this? You make the call. made the right call. <laughs> Even when I found that video this week, I made the wrong call, okay? If 
But I do wish I had one of those nifty computers from IBM. <laughs> it's just like that. We need an umpire. We need something at work in our lives to decide what's right and wrong, to interpret for us what God would have us to do. And Paul says here that it's the peace of Christ that is your umpire, your referee, that helps you to know what's right and what's wrong, especially in relationships. And so let the peace of Christ be your umpire since as one body, so he's not speaking just to us as individuals, he's speaking to us as a community of faith, the body, Christians together. Let the peace of Christ rule in you so as members of one body, and we are working together. And since we're one body, we look out for each other. And what's good for the body is more important than just what's good for me. That changes the relationship. It changes how we understand each other. But then we'll notice at the very end of the verse, he talks about thanksgiving. And be thankful. Be thankful that you're part of this kind of body. Be thankful that the Spirit of God is at work in you in this way. So that's instruction number one. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Instruction number two, verse 16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Now, literally, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It is the message, but, but it's, it's the word, the words of Christ. What we need to know about Jesus. Let that be so much a part of you that it lives within you. Now, when we hear that, I think what, what at least comes to my mind is, well, Paul was saying they needed to study the Bible, especially the Gospels. Well, the problem is, we don't know exactly when the Gospels were written. They don't have a date on them. It may be that some of them, or all of them, or none of them were written when Paul wrote this letter. So what's he talking about? Well, in his day, the, the words of Christ were being passed down, now 25, 30 years after Jesus' death, as an oral tradition. And so people like the apostles who heard it all, or other people who listened to Jesus, were passing down these stories of what Jesus said and did. And Paul says, you need to listen to those stories. You need to listen to what Epaphras told you that I said. You need to listen to me if I ever get to come see you. You need to listen to those stories and they need to become so much a part of you that they just fill your lives. So it's just there. If you want to allow the peace of Christ to rule, then you better know what he said. Now it's interesting that Paul, Paul doesn't speak in the, of this in terms of, okay, my own private devotional life. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a private devotional life. In fact, it's a good thing. It's important to have time when we're reading God's Word as an individual. But, but in this verse, Paul is not speaking in private terms. Paul is speaking, again, to the body, to the community of faith. And he says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly as you do what? You listen to somebody talk about God? Have a Bible study? That's not what he says here, interestingly. As you worship, you hear those words? As you admonish one another, which is to teach, but the way you do it is through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. 
singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Paul seems to think that there's something about worship that makes the word, the message of Christ dwell in us. Now, my guess is you've had the experience of hearing a verse read that you know the song to, and like it comes that quick, doesn't it? Because we know the tune and we've sung it before and it's very familiar to us because of that and it has taught us the word of Christ or maybe some other part of scripture. Now I'll let Jerry someday talk to you about the difference between psalms, hymns, and songs from the spirit. It's a little hard to tell in some ways because you know, the way we use those words changes over time. But the point is these are songs of worship. And somehow in worship... As the church gathered together, they taught one another. And part of the way they taught one another was through what they sang together. And so that says something important. I think it says several things that are important. First of all, we need to be together for worship. We need to gather together in the same room to have worship. All right? But we also need to think about if we're going to sing what we're singing. Because there are some songs that probably lots of us like that if you actually read the words, they're not that great. And so we need to choose carefully. It's important that we think through what we're saying to each other and to God when we worship. And you'll notice that again in this verse, it ends with gratitude. We ought to be thankful when we can come together and worship God as a body of believers. So, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you worship. And then instruction number three in verse 17. And this covers everything. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He just doesn't leave anything out here, does he? Everything, basically, is the translation. Everything, word or deed, everything, do it in the name of Jesus. So whatever you're doing in your life, and I think, again, Paul is talking to us as individuals, but he's also speaking to us as the church, as a community, as a body. Whatever you're doing, it needs to be done in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, there's some important implications to this. Number one, he's assuming that we're going to try to do things that can be done in the name of Jesus. There are some things that you can't do in Jesus' name because they are counter to what Jesus taught. So that goes back to let the peace of Christ rule, let the word of Christ dwell, because if we don't know what Jesus said, we might be doing stuff that's opposed to what Jesus said and saying it's in Jesus' name. So we've got to clean that up to begin with. What am I doing that cannot be done in Jesus' name? That's a good question for us to ask as a church and as individuals. What are we doing that needs correction? What are we, what are we doing that we should repent of? And there's something for all of us there. So we've got to look in our lives and say, okay, I'm, I need to change whatever can't be done in Jesus' name and make sure that what I'm doing pleases Jesus. But then the second implication is, I've got to do it in the name of Jesus. 
I mean, there are people throughout our world who are doing good things, but they might be doing them in lots of different names. Maybe in the name of a different God. Maybe in the name of reputation, right? We can do really good stuff for the purpose of making people know that we are really good people, can't we? It's all about what do people think of me? What, what's, what's the image that people have of me? And maybe my goal in doing good things is so that people will think highly of me. Well, that's not doing it in Jesus' name. We might even do things, and this is where we have to be careful, we might even do things as a church that are really good things so that people will know we're a really good church. That's still not consistent with what Paul says here. It's not things done just in the name of Taylorville Christian Church or any other church or the whole church. It's done in the name of Jesus. So that when we're done, people will not see us. They'll see Jesus. That's what Paul's saying here. Whatever you're doing... Do it in the name of Jesus. And then at the end of this verse as well, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. First verse, thanks. Second verse, gratitude. Third verse, giving thanks. Paul seems to think this should be part of the Christian life. That we are giving thanks that God is at work in our lives through each other and through His Spirit. So what does this whole passage say? It's just where we started Put Jesus at the center. Let the peace of Christ rule. Let it be your umpire. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And whatever you do, do it in Jesus' name. There's really not much room for anybody but Jesus in that picture, is there? I mean, it's about my life and our lives as a body. But if I'm at the center of this story, it's flawed. If Jesus is at the center of the story, we're on the right track. Now, this can require us to do some things that are uncomfortable. I mean, when we think about the peace of Christ dwelling in us as a body, that might mean that we have to forgive people that we just don't really want to forgive. Because peace often requires forgiveness because we get hurt. And rather than rising up and seeking revenge or whatever it takes to make us feel better, peace requires forgiveness. And it requires us to look in our lives and think about what we need to do to repent. If Jesus is at the center, it means that there are times when we will have to sacrifice. And sacrifice is inherently uncomfortable because we are saying, I'm going to give up something that I want because someone else needs it more than I do. I'm giving up something that I like in my life for the sake of another human being or another group of human beings. That is difficult and it can be painful, but that's just what Paul is talking about here. If Jesus is in the center and there may be things that are more important than me. You see, I like being in the center. 
Because when I'm in the middle of it all, then I can dictate the stuff that I like and I can pursue the things that I enjoy. It's about me and what I'm getting. But Paul is saying, no, that's not the way the Christian life works. Put Jesus at the center. And yeah, you may have to give some stuff up and you may have to make peace when you just really don't want to. And you may have to humble yourself to do it. But when Jesus is at the center, we really can find the peace of Christ. And we can understand his word dwelling in us as we worship together. And we can do everything there is to do in the name of Jesus. Because he's at the heart of it all. And just like so many passages in this letter, what's required to fulfill what Paul is teaching here is intentionality. It doesn't happen by accident. It happens because we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and we put Jesus in the middle of it all. Put Jesus at the center. Let's pray together. God, we're here for worship. Paul says that part of worship is leading each other to the word of Jesus. God, help us to do that. Help us to dedicate ourselves to bringing each other to Christ and putting Christ at the heart of our lives as individuals and at the heart of our life as a church. And God, help us to do everything we do in Jesus' name. And that's just how we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen.